invite you to bow your heads as we pray. Heavenly Father, may the words that cross my lips and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. You are our Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. So today I'm going to be basing the message on the Old Testament lesson that uh, Pastor Kaiser read a little while back, a uh, passage uh, from Zephaniah, uh, specifically the last six verses of that prophecy, uh, and uh, look forward to sharing those words with you. I'm going to do it by highlighting uh, a pattern. And, and we're familiar with patterns, and, and sometimes the patterns that we have, the behaviors that we cyclically do over and over again, uh, sometimes they're not always as healthy for us. Uh, and so I can just give you a, a couple of modern day examples. Um, New Year's Eve is coming, right? And what do we tend to do? Uh, make a resolution that we hope will carry us through the year. Uh, only 24 hours after we make the resolution, we usually end up falling flat on our face because we've broken it. If we're lucky, maybe we'll last, maybe we'll last a week. Um, other patterns that we tend to see. Um, who here is a procrastinator when it comes to buying Christmas gifts? Um, you now go, shucks, last year I didn't want to be in this position, but here I am again, six or so days till Christmas Day, and I still yet to buy a single gift for anyone of my family. Other patterns, maybe you're uh, looking forward to uh, a Christmas gathering, but there's a little hesitation because you know usually after the dinner or maybe even during the dinner, there's one of your family members uh, that's going to chime in with some conversation piece about religion or, or politics or, or this year you can even throw in should we get vaccinated or not, and it, you're just not looking forward to that kind of conversation because it ends up getting ugly. Patterns, sometimes they're not all that healthy. We see patterns uh, all throughout the scriptures, and uh, it starts all the way back in Genesis, the, the third chapter. God had given everything to creation. He created humankind and, and said they were very good and, and provided for all of the blessings. And yet, even though there was no reason for Adam and Eve to question the goodness of God, they end up finding themselves doing so. They decide for themselves after a conversation with a serpent that they want what God has uh, for themselves. And, and so they, they fall flat on their face into sin and they bring in this, this rebellion uh, that separates us from our Heavenly Father. There was one point in time where God walked with his creation physically in the presence with them, walking in the cool of the day. But because of this rebellion, even after he had given so much provision, his kids rebelled, and then so the punishment was they were going to be exiled, forcibly removed from their home. They were not going to be allowed back in. Their, their, their place of safety and security and provision, they were removed from that. And there's this pattern that happens throughout the scripture over and over again. God provides, his children rebel, and then they're sent into exile or they're cut off from him. And so Adam and Eve had some offspring that ended up becoming more and more rebellious to the point where God had enough of it and he, and he basically set a reset button. He sent a flood to... to just do away with what had been going on. And, and he spared a handful 
in hopes that maybe this sin thing would be taken care of. That's not what happens. God's people, as they grow in number once again, and God had been providing for them, uh, rebel. They eventually find themselves under the hands and and rule and oppression of uh, Egyptians, where they serve as slaves for 400 years. And they had been basically cut off from the presence of their Lord. Even after they'd been freed, even after they had been set free from that bondage and, and God had provided them a, a yet another uh, time of, of, of freedom, they're in the glory of their heyday. King David, King Solomon, the, the nation of Israel is doing wonderfully. You think maybe they get their act together. Nope. God provides, his kids rebel, and they are cut off and exiled. And it just goes over and over and over that way throughout the Old Testament. And the truth is, uh, it even happens today. Doesn't it? Right. God provides everything that we need in this life. Everything we need. He gives us the very breath. We even pray a prayer uh, that, that says basically, Lord, give us our daily bread. So give us what we need to survive for the day. Lord, you, you promised to provide for our needs. And yet, how many of us struggle with this idea of being discontent with the things that we have. We maybe want more and, and more. And, and the sad thing is sometimes those are material possessions. We act out of arrogance. We act out of rebellion uh, to God's commands. He's provided everything, and, and yet we still, because of sin and our sinful nature, turn to our own ways. And yes, that carries a sense of consequence. Every sin has the, the punishment of cutting us off from God. Sinful human beings can't stand in his presence. And unless God intervened, we would be forever cut off from him, right? And we, we know that. And yet we still fall headlong into the temptation of sin. We have this pattern. And, and a lot of us that, that struggle with perpetual sin or, or, or pet sins... It usually goes like this. In, 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 in my own power, I know that I'm going to be tempted, and so I, I'm going to push against that, and I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I'm entertaining that thought. I fall flat on my face as I hold on to that temptation, and I enjoy it only to feel shame and guilt. I did it again. God, I'm sorry. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Do you hear that, that pattern? that sin pattern. God wants us to be free of that. And so that's why he sends his son to change our hearts, to restore us and to redeem us. Have you ever been in a a situation in your life where you feel God's distant? It could be a consequence of sin, right? You're feeling the, the weight of that. God's still there for you. He's promised to never leave you or forsake you. He just wants you to turn back to him. And sometimes we forget to do that. And that's what he was trying to convey to his people back in Zephaniah's day, to turn back. You see, God uses this prophet some five or six hundred years before Jesus walks on earth to get his people to, to stop rebelling. But let me just paint a picture of of what was happening back then. There were some kings, two kings to be exact. Uh, 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 The last one was a guy named Ammon. 
and, and he really didn't want anything to do with God's word. And so he led his people, the nation of Israel, God's kids, away from God, further and further away from God. Only to have his son Josiah become king who rediscovers God's word and tries to bring it to the people and teach the people. But this time, after generations of of avoiding God's word and turning away from God's word, the people were hard. They didn't want anything to do with it. There was religious and moral decay. Political corruption, religious and moral decay, and people not wanting to follow God's teachings. Am I talking about five or six hundred years before Jesus came back, or am I talking about 2021? We haven't changed. We haven't changed. And yet Zephaniah is, is given this task by God. He's saying, turn back, turn back. Judgment is coming. The people don't turn back, and judgment comes, and God uses a, a group of people, a nation, um, the Babylonians this time, and they render judgment and they send God's children, this time Judah, into exile. Cut off from God, cut off from their homeland, cut off from their safety and provision. And yet, God doesn't just leave them there. He, he, he speaks through the prophet Zephaniah. He says, yes, this is going to happen, and he knows that his people aren't going to listen. But he says... I'm still going to restore you because I love you. You see, there's more to that pattern that I started talking about there. God provides, his kids rebel, were sent into exile, and yet there's that promise of restoration. And what a beautiful promise that we get from, from Zephaniah where God in his love encourages his people to sing and rejoice. He says, rejoice, daughter of Zion. Rejoice, daughter of Israel and and Jerusalem. Why? Because I'm taking away that punishment. I'm taking away that that reproach. I'm going to gather you together. I I love you and I'm just going to speak life over you. As a loving father cradles a child. He rejoices over us. He quiets us with his love and loud singing. Folks, he started to fulfill that promise when Jesus took on human flesh. And that's what Advent and and Christmas is, is all about, right? God restoring his physical presence, the word made flesh, coming to dwell and walk amongst his people again. And, and ever since then, we've had God's physical presence with us. We, we know that at communion, right? Where he gives us his very body and blood and reminds us of the forgiveness of sins that we have there. God is with us. And that is an amazing gift. And that's why we get to sing at this time of year songs of rejoicing and, and songs of joy that point us to that, that hope that we have because of what Jesus has done. But it hasn't been completely fulfilled yet. This prophet Zephaniah still has some beautiful words for us. It's going to happen when Jesus comes back a second time. He says this in verse 20. He says, at that time, I'm going to gather you. At that time, I'll bring you home. I'll give you honor and praise among all the people of earth when I restore your fortune before your eyes, says the Lord. I will gather his people from all over the earth and restore their fortune before their eyes. This is the promise that God has given us. Even though we are a rebellious lot, 
He wants to change and transform our hearts. So what do we do? We don't try and do things on our own power. We do things in the strength of the Holy Spirit that God has worked through his word into our hearts that you saw take place with Penelope's baptism. It started there for her. And then you saw a loving grandfather speak words of life and hope and salvation over her. So that's a very picturesque way of us seeing God holding us and caring for us and speaking life into us and wanting the best for us. And he made sure it would happen. We're not there yet. But there will be a time when we are there. That's the hope that we have as Christians. When anxieties and fears and doubts will cease, illnesses will be healed, we will be restored. We have reason to rejoice because we know that that's going to happen. So sing. Let your life sing. Because our exile is coming to an end children of God, you can be restored again into the loving presence of your heavenly Father. He made a way. It cost you nothing. He gave up everything out of love and mercy and compassion so that you could know his peace and know his joy and know his mercy and compassion. We do not need to be a rebellious lot anymore. We can spend time getting to know our Heavenly Father. We can, we can grow by being in his word. When temptation comes, uh, we can lean into the Holy Spirit and, and, and God's word for, for strength and, and put that to rest. God means to set us free from that and not have us fall into that same unhealthy pattern. He wants a new way of life for us, living in him, leaning into the cross and him crucified and risen. That's what we get to do. Now until that day when he calls us home to be with him in paradise. The Lord's returning. The joy of the world is going to come again. And let's look forward to that with eager hearts of expectation. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. Amen.